0: Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.
1: Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. A special edition of the Let's Go State podcast before the NCAA. Track and field championships in Austin, Texas, starting Wednesday, June 7th, and running through Saturday, June 10th. How about the Penn State track and field team? 13 individuals competing in 10 events. It's the most since 2017 in the outdoor, and great to be joined by two of the very best. Rachel Gearing, graduate student who's going to compete in the 800 meters, along with teammate Haley Kitching, making her second straight Nationals appearance in the 800 meters, set a Penn State program record, In this postseason, in that event, a 2022 Honorable Mention All-American, and also Tyler Merkley, one of the great throwers in Penn State program history, a first-team All-American, Big Ten outdoor men's track and field athlete of the year. Last year, he's qualified in the hammer throw for the third consecutive season. I'm Brian Tripp, your host. We'll get to know Tyler and Rachel a bit better here on this podcast. Learn about their interesting stories and what they have contributed to the Penn State track and field program. I think you're really going to love this special edition of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Rachel, Tyler, thanks so much for the time. Congratulations. You and your teammates have had an awesome outdoor campaign and can't wait to see you at Nationals coming up next week. Thanks again.
0: Yeah, Thanks for having us.
2: Of course. Yeah. Let's
1: start way back at the beginning. And for you, Tyler, you know, you've been in college <laughs> since 2015, Rachel, you've been at Penn state, both of you have been at Penn state since 2019. Why Penn state? And can you take us through a little bit of your journey, at least to, to get to this point as a student athlete?
0: Um, yeah, I've been in college for too long. Um, especially if you ask any other competitors, I've been here too long, <laughs> but yeah, so I started not at Penn state sadly. Um, but I had some, some success at the other institution I was at. Um, and then decided to go on a two-year mission trip, went to the Dominican Republic, loved my time there, um, got super skinny, um, so it was a struggle coming back, but we got we got back in shape and, you know, found Penn State, um, and the rest is history, I guess. You guys, most people know the rest of it, but...
1: Rachel, 2019, you enrolled at Penn State, but it was always your dream school. Why?
2: Um, So, growing up in Georgia, I was always, like, looked at kind of differently. They were like, why don't you have a country accent? Like, what's up with that? And I was like, my mom is from Philly. My dad's from Pittsburgh. They were both Penn Staters. My dad was a boxer. My mom played field hockey. And so growing up, my family always just had that we are, you know, Penn State pride. And I just told all of my friends from like year one, I was like, I'm going to go to Penn State. I'm going to go to Penn State. I came here for a soccer camp as a kid and I just fell in love. And then when the time came, I was looking at all these different schools and I was like, man, I really wish I could go to Penn State. And I was actually on my Clemson visit when my mom hunted down Coach Spence and was (laughs) like, this is my daughter. She's really good at the triple jump. And he, you know, decided to give me a chance. And that's just when I just committed right there. So
1: Was that soccer camp the first time you were on campus?
2: Yeah, it was. I was in sixth grade.
1: (laughs) Did you make any trips after that up to campus?
2: Yeah, my family... um, We're Advid Arts Fest Mm -hmm. (laughs) attendees. So we were here in the summer a good bit.
1: Your dad was a a boxer and your mom played field hockey. So what kind of stories did they have to share about their experiences when they were at Penn State? Ones that you can share here on the podcast. So it's actually, yeah,
2: (laughs) it's a really funny story. He boxed and he was a bouncer at the saloon. (laughs) And I just think that that is hilarious. His picture is actually still up in Rec Hall. And he... Funny enough, dated my mom's sister, who ended up coaching lacrosse here with, like, with Shar for a few years, and um, when my mom was in college, um, my, uh, her sister, her name was Debbie, she was like, oh, why don't you go visit Bill, like, he's got a beach house now, so my mom took a trip <laughs> for the summer, and they ended up getting married, so. Pretty funny story.
1: Now from a bouncer to a guy who's built like a bouncer, Tyler, you said that when you went to the Dominican, (laughs) 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 you went to the Dominican, you know, what was the impetus for the mission? What did you get out of that experience? I, I know you said everyone's kind of heard that story. I think some of our audience probably hasn't heard that story. Can you talk a little bit about that experience for you?
0: Yeah, um, yeah, definitely a little different experience than being a bouncer. For sure. <laughs> uh, so it's a it was a proselyting mission where you go and you talk to people about the religion that I'm in. I'm a, I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, and so basically I walked around for two years talking to anyone that would listen to me. It was a great experience. I mean, I learned to love the Dominican people, and they're they're, they're different than you know U.S. culture. But when I went there, I was like, man, I got to learn to love these people so much because I was like, I love them. I was like, it's such a cool place. I was like, they're such cool people, and as I was there, you just learned to like understand why people are the way they are, mm-hmm. and you know, you just become to love them for who they are, and it's just a, it was it was a great experience. Um, like I said, I lost a ton of weight, and I like I at one point I was down to like 160 pounds. Oh my gosh! Um, <laughs> and right now I'm, I'm like 250, so like <laughs> it's a bit different. Um,
1: yeah, not not advantageous for a thrower to be 160 no, pounds. No,
0: not at all. But <laughs> that being said, though, I could crush some pushups while I was out there. So. <laughs> Uh, not as many as I can now, but, man, it, I thought I was still jacked, but not at all. <laughs> you, look, you look back, and I, you look like I just wasn't eating. Um, no, it was a great experience, you know, just talking to everyone. Um, at the time, I thought I was fluent in Dominican. Um, I wasn't fluent in Spanish, but I could speak Dominican pretty well. Um, not as good as I can now, mm-hmm. but...
1: But it's still pretty fun. What did it take for you to start to get your body back when you came back and started to go after your goals again as a track and field athlete? What did it take to get your body back to where you want it to be as a thrower?
0: Um, just a lot of time, a lot of my dad yelling at me, um, in the best ways possible, obviously. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, just a lot of time in the gym and in the ring, and you know, just every day. Like I, when I got back, um, there was a coach I trained at trained with out in Saddleback, his name's Sean McGinley. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he like, I trained with him in high school and everything, so when I came back, he allowed me to go out there. So every day I'm going out there, like, four or five times a week. And it was, like, an hour drive to get there. Wow. So we're just driving out there, coming back, getting in the gym. And so just, it was, like, every day, and I'm just sitting there and I'm like, what am I doing? I was, like, I, I was like, I know what my goals are, I know what I want to do, but I was like, I feel like I'm just repetitively sucking every day. Because <laughs> I was just like, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not close to what I used to be. But after, you know, like three months, I was like, okay, we're making some progress. And then, cool enough, the end of the year, I threw like a four-meter PB. So, like, it was, you know, it's, it was, it's a cool transition.
2: Funny enough, I actually remember the first day that you walked <laughs> into the indoor track. And the only thought in my head was how is this old man a freshman? <laughs> and then I saw him throw, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll keep him around. <laughs>
1: Why Penn State then? What, what made Penn State the right fit for you when you decided? That's a great a great question. Um,
0: so when I got back from my mission, my coach left the, mm-hmm. the, the school I was at, so I went looking for schools, and there was only two that wanted me. It was Arizona State and here at Penn State. And so I went on visits to both. And in the end, I was just sitting there thinking. But it was funny enough, I had to look both of them kind of up. And I'm like, well, obviously, I knew Arizona State. My dad went to Arizona State. Then, you know, Arizona's a lot closer to home um, than Pennsylvania is. But I looked at Penn State. I was like, what is this place even about? You know? So, like, growing up, I didn't have that we are attitude and know, know everything about it. But, like, I came here. I was like, this is pretty sweet. You know, like, got to know a few of the guys. I was like, this is pretty fun. And I was like, this is the biggest stadium I've ever been in my life. I was like, this is cool. It's like, there's a lot of cool stuff that happened about it. I'm sitting here, like, thinking, I'm like, I think, I think this is where I want to be. I was like, this, I was like I don't really know yet. I was like, I think I think this is the one. So I made the choice, came, and I'm glad I did. Because looking back, I mean, I, I wouldn't have wanted to have been anywhere else.
1: Rachel, what's it like to hear someone who's not a part of that Penn State culture kind of growing up, or as some people would term it, cult growing up, <laughs> and, and hear him describe it from an outsider's perspective?
2: I mean, like, it's funny because it's like, um, I, I never get, like, when people are like, don't want to come here. Like, we get yeah. recruits and they come and they're like, They're like, oh, I don't know if this is a place for me. I'm like, what do you mean? How could this not be the place for you? Like, it's perfect. It's like the perfect size town. I was like, (laughs) don't leave. What do you mean? (laughs) Yeah, so it's like interesting to watch people fall in love with it like the same way I've just been in love with it my whole life.
1: Your story is interesting too, Rachel, because you're going to compete in the 800 meters for the second straight year at nationals. But as you said, you started as a triple jumper. So what happened and how were you able to reshape your career?
2: Yeah, so I tried to convince them at Big Tens to let me triple jump again. It (laughs) fell through, unfortunately. (laughs) But no, I came in, um, as I said, I was recruited by Spence, and um, I loved the triple jump. Like, it was, like, my absolute favorite event. Like, I did did the 400 in high school. I didn't really like it. Did some four-by-ones. Wasn't a huge fan. Um, But I was doing long and triple, and then my sophomore year... I actually dabbled a little bit in like the multi because Spence did see like how great of a runner I was and he wanted to explore that side more. So I was even like doing some high jumps and throws and I was just like, I love the field events. Um, And then after my sophomore year, I had a really tough year. Just I only competed at Big Tens because I had a knee injury on my left knee. And they took me in to see um, the surgeon and he basically said, he's like, yeah, you need like a full kneecap realignment. Like we need to detach your kneecap. He's like, it's a nine month um, recovery process. So like, you're going to be out for a good chunk of time. And I was like, well, that's just not an option. Like I want to complete my four years here because obviously had that happened, I would have had to medically retire. And he's like. Um, well, I don't know. There's a chance there. You're just never gonna be able to jump again. He's like that knee can never hold that pressure. And so I went back and forth with Spence. Obviously, some arguing. And he just told me he's like, at the end of the day, I want you to be able to walk around and play with your kids. Like, I don't want this to be a problem that haunts you for the rest of your life. You're gonna have to try something else. And then that's exactly when Foster came into the picture. And he was watching me just do some of my running workouts. And he said, you know what? I think I could make you into an 800 runner, and that's what he did. I never went back to the jumps. I found love for the 800, and thankfully all the distance running strengthens my knee enough mm-hmm. so that it doesn't give me any issues anymore, so I'm lucky.
1: I was going to ask, do you miss the jumps?
2: I do, I do. They had me raking the pits at our last home meet. <laughs> I was, like, giving Maddie, like, one of our new multis pointers, and Spence was like, Rachel, you shut up. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what was it like to transition from an event like that To becoming a distance runner? What went into it? How'd you do it?
2: So it's, it's a funny thing that I say all the time. I've been with almost besides throws every training group at Penn State. And it's a funny experience because no matter what training group you're in, you always think that you're working the hardest you possibly can be because it's like, it's different styles of training, Mm -hmm. but the 800 really (laughs) is. It's just, like, the most taxing training ever, and I think that they it was... Just, they love to say it, too. it. <laughs> big to, switch. They love saying it. <laughs> I would love to see him in our next cross-country meet, you yeah. know? <laughs>
0: the last time I ran a mile was in, you know, junior high when they made me do it. That's, that's, a, I actually, that's the last time I ever wanted to do it, as well.
2: I tried to convince Kara to put him on the... Uh, Alternate four by four card for nationals. I mean, so we'll see with how all I due goes. respect, pretty sure i crush it. So. <laughs> it's don't more for the intimidation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's some there's some 400
0: meter runners that are jacked, <laughs> properly jacked. What goes into training for the hammer? Um, it's pretty basic. Just a whole lot of throws
1: and a whole lot of lifting. I mean, how does someone get interested in becoming? You know, you have your choice. It's shot put, right? You can do, there's different throws. How did you become interested in doing the hammer event specifically? Or is it just, that's the one I'm best at. That's what I'm doing.
0: That's that's (laughs) a little bit. I mean, my first love of throws was discus. I love discus so much. I'm just way too short to be fantastic at it. Um, But basically, so my brothers, they all threw. um, And so I was just a little annoying little brother that was tagging along all the time. Probably making too much ruckus at, at, at times. You know what? You bring up
1: a good question here. (laughs) You have siblings. You have six siblings, right, Rachel? Mm -hmm. Who's the best athlete in each of your families?
0: brother's clearly me. (laughs) My brothers wouldn't want me to say this, but it's me by a mile.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I can't even say that it's me. Um, Jenna, my sister that works here, she was hands down like the gold standard for our whole family. She's actually – she had a crush on her middle school, um, like (laughs) – Cross-country teammate. So that's why she did cross. She won her first meet having never gone to a single practice. And then that's when my mom said, all right, you're all doing track. (laughs) All of you.
0: Anyway, yeah. But if my oldest brother ever hears this, he'd be very mad that I said I was the most athletic. Because he sure thinks he is. But right now, I'm definitely the most athletic. But anywho. Right now. Right now. This current moment probably wouldn't like that either but regardless (laughs) um anyway so i just watched them through all the time um and just kind of followed along my oldest brother went off to college he threw and came back well at the time he was leaving he was learning hammer and stuff and so like we saw it and just kind of did it my my the middle of us he did uh they he did hammer as well and so i was kind of there and just kind of followed along um and just kind of figured out i was a a bit better at it you know um so just i kind of got lucky being able to see and watch everything
2: now, Tyler doesn't want to admit this, but I am actually a huge threat to him in the weight room. I'm putting not up way bigger numbers. <laughs> no, it's not, not a Mid- Middle distance girl, and I am just snatching double his weight. <laughs> I
0: mean, she is a threat to all the male mid-distance girls. <laughs> 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 to a thrower, not a chance.
1: You can tell that you guys have a, a great relationship, and I know your team's really close. How does that happen on a team where there's so many different events, everyone's training differently, and there's so many different athletes within the program.
0: I mean, I think
1: the best thing for track is
0: that you actually don't see everyone all the time, so you don't get annoyed with them as easily. <laughs> but that's that's just one of the things, I guess. But it is nice because I would say there is a track culture out there where pretty much if you're – I mean, I would say maybe sprints aside, you know, a little different. But I like how he's doing the arm movement. <laughs> this is an audio podcast. He's got the arm movement going. Everyone's pretty nice, you know, like – you can't really be that big of a jerk in track and field because everyone's gonna know. Because there's only like twenty people that do it in the world. You know what I mean? I'm just kidding. But. <laughs> so like everyone's gonna figure out if you're not a nice dude. So like it's it's it becomes
1: good to be a good person. And so it you know it kind of it kind of works that way. Rachel, at I've seen. I'm yeah. trying to set up my next question too. You have thirteen of your teammates also competing. Well, thirteen, including both of you, competing in nationals. That's got to be awesome to be going there. It's the most since 2017 for an outdoor championship to be going there with so many other people wearing blue and white.
2: Oh, I am so excited. Last year, um, to U.S. Trials and Nationals, it kind yeah. of just felt like it was me and Tyler. You know, the group was the group was pretty small. It was pretty closely knit. Um, so I'm excited to get a few extra people in here this year. So a bigger travel group makes it a lot more fun.
1: Austin, Texas. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid, especially for running down there. I know Jacksonville was no, no cakewalk, but... <laughs>
2: We've been heat acclimating now for going on three weeks. <laughs> so it's like after every run, we'll get in the hot tub, turn that baby up to a 110 and sit in there for 30 minutes. So we're getting we're, used we're to not the doing, heat. We're not.
0: <laughs> we actually train outside, so like it, it's pretty easy to get used to the heat when you're outside. Some of the runners, you know, they get a little sensitive and they got to stay inside. <laughs> they don't like being in, you know, weather,
1: but... You talk about trying to get people to to come to Penn State. Is there ever a more ideal spring than this spring to have a recruit on campus? I mean, I don't even think we're in Happy Valley.
2: Oh, it's been absolutely (laughs) beautiful. I I was, like, getting mad. I was looking at the Weather Channel in Florida where it was, like, 60 degrees and windy. I was like, dang it, it is warmer in Penn State right now. Um, But, no, it actually stinks because we host most of our recruits dead of winter. (laughs) And I'm like, it's not this all the time, I promise. (laughs)
1: Yeah. I don't want to keep either of you too long. I know you have some, some training to get to today. When you look at what you've accomplished so far and are still hoping to accomplish next week, what are you most proud of about what you've been able to accomplish during your time at Penn State?
0: Um, for me, I would just say I'm, I'm pretty proud that I've, I feel like I've given it everything I've had.
1: Um, there's definitely been some some
0: roadblocks um, and maybe not some ideal situations, but I feel like I'm I've, I've given myself a shot to hopefully leave some type of a legacy here. Um, and some leave some type of a mark. I mean, there's probably not going to be many people that remember, you know, any throwers. I mean, there's some fantastic throwers that have come through this program that are world champions, world-renowned athletes. Um, and hopefully I can leave some type of a little mark like that.
2: Um, that's that's a funny question. I've kind of been thinking about it. Um, I think my answer would be like, you would expect me to say my new school record. Like, oh, I'm so proud I got the school record. But that's not it, because I'm going to be completely honest. I don't expect it to stand for another year. We have some really good freshmen who I'm very close with, and I want that to be my legacy is like, my training ethics that are going to be passed on to them to get an even better time than what I already have. I love 800U, and I want it to progress even more than it already has. I want it to stay the biggest program for as long as possible.
1: Then also, have you thought about what's next?
2: (laughs) You know, that's a mighty good question. I mean, I'll, I'll probably be around for a bit like I would like to build up the program I know Foster wants to he's maybe looking into starting a club team so we'll have some good athletes here for a long time so
0: yeah I mean we're gonna I'm, I'm gonna stay around for one more year we're gonna try to make a run at the Olympics mm-hmm. you know uh, a lot of stars got aligned to make a team but crazier things have happened
1: I know you have the next uh, the next couple months are pretty busy not just in track and field for you too
0: yeah you know um <laughs> Luckily enough, my wife's pregnant, and we got a baby on the way, so... Congratulations. You know, that's... Uh, hopefully, we can get some other cool things done before then, before I, <laughs> I lose all my sleep that I've ever had,
1: so... um have teammates volunteered to babysit yet? Or? Oh, yeah, they
0: have, and I'm not taking them up on it. <laughs>
1: funniest thing, not, funniest thing,
2: I wasn't told that directly. We were in line at the airport, and Kara goes, well, your wife's pregnant, right? I shot around <laughs> so quick, I said, what? And Tyler looks at me, like, eyes wide, and I was like, why didn't you tell me? <laughs>
0: yeah, no, it's so. good. One, one of our teammates, Dwayne, uh, he's like, I will be the godfather. <laughs> and I was like, "Don't worry, you're not. So <laughs> that child is going to have
2: so many aunties and uncles. Yeah I'm gonna teen. have to like keep it
0: away from the track just like, they can keep some
2: sanity in this life.
1: Tyler Rachel, thanks so much. Good yeah. luck. It was a pleasure to get to know both of you even better and to, for our fans to learn your stories. Thanks again for some time this morning.
2: Yeah. Of course, yeah. thanks
1: for bringing us on.